this morning, Lord, we invite you to, 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 to fellowship with us in the short time. Lord, I really don't have any great fantastic words to speak, but I am asking, I'm trusting that somebody somewhere will have a word that they may leave this place with and it will stay with them to energize them and bless them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. You know, as I was praying just now, my mind drifted and I thought about this modern world where kids go around with helmets on a bike because I actually saw a kid driving a bike yesterday. And I remember so clearly when I where I was I used to, where I grew up, there was a nice, beautiful, like probably a kilometer of a road, and it dipped very smoothly, and it was not a busy road. And we would, as kids, probably nine, ten years. These days, if my son is out of the house for ten minutes, and one day, okay, I need to know where he is. Those days, we just went. And we will ride, I remember, so clearly. You know, if you are boys, you know. We'll go on this bike, no helmet, and we'll do this. And we'll go for like a kilometer on that beautiful steep road. Oh, I love those days. You know, but I, it occurred to me, because I, I said, I'm talking about speeds of 20, 30 kilometers. I will just go down the hill. Fun. I'm alive today by some, by some providence of God. Not just me, but many of my contemporaries. I don't even recall anyone. I really don't recall anyone having an accident that killed him. And it just occurred to me. I said, wow. That is the invincible hand of a God that cares. Because I tell you, those were dangerous days. Those were dangerous days. Now that I, now I won't even let my, my children do that because I think it's dangerous how my mind has changed. That's actually not part of my message. It just occurred to me. But you see, it does draw out the fact that, wow, we have a, an invincible hand that watches over us. Let's not forget that. And that's why when we... I'm not, to be honest, I'm not into... Father's days and Mother's days, that much as I should be. Mm-hmm. Quick, at, quick acknowledgement. But there is a place for recognition. There's a place for recognition. Fathers, mothers. Does you have Children's Day too? Oh, there is Children's Day. Okay. So it's fair. Praise God. This morning I want us to, uh, we've been looking at. Um, We'll be looking at, uh, I know the theme that I've had from the pastor has been around talking about the Holy Spirit. So I try to weave that into what we're talking about today. But really, I want us to talk about taking decisions in life. Praise God. Praise God. Um, we, we... We, as the Holy Spirit, we rely on the Holy Spirit to help us, to help us 
And we need the guidance and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. This morning I want to talk about taking the right decisions in life. And you could say that, you could add that if you are really into a topic to say, we take the right decisions in life, but we need the Holy Spirit to take those decisions with us. You can put it whatever way you want to put it. I realize that the ability to take the right decisions in life comes from a sound knowledge, a sound relationship with God. Every single day, every single day, you and I are called upon to take decisions. You are wearing whatever you are wearing this morning because you looked into your array of choices and you picked this over that. I'm sure you took several other decisions this morning before you got here. The Holy Spirit can, could, will and can always help you to take a better decision than the one that you would take on your own. We talk about the gift of wisdom. And I, and I, you know, looking at that, I'm trying to relate that to what we're talking about today. We talk about the gift of wisdom as a, as, as a, as a, as a gift that, you and all, that all of us crave for. A gift that we need to help us move ahead. And so as we proceed in this conversation this morning, we will ask for that gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is a supernatural perspective that helps us ascertain the divine means of accomplishing God's will in a given situation. It is a divinely given power to appropriate spiritual intuition in problem solving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Sorry, in, in, let's even go to 1 Corinthians 12, 8. So, that scripture tells us about all the gifts. And the gift of wisdom says, For to one is given the spirit of wisdom. This, I take that again. For to one is given by the spirit, the wisdom, the spirit. Amen. For to one is given by the spirit this word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So, it is a gift. You don't... Uh, you don't own it. It was given unto you. And I will encourage us as we crave this morning, talking about all the other gifts that we crave and pray for, to ask God, give me this, the gift of wisdom. Like I read in that place I picked up from somewhere, it says that when you have the gift of the word of wisdom, you are able to divinely appropriate spiritual intuition when problems come your way. You are able to tap into a reservoir and bring out solutions when the chips are down and you need to make a decision. Like I said, like I said, in this life, in my own life, I have had to take many decisions. Some of them very good, some of them bad. I wish now, looking back, that for many of the wrong decisions I had taken, I had look, I look now and I relied on God to give me, or relied on the Holy Spirit to give me peculiar words of wisdom to help me take 
the right decisions at, the, at, at those crucial times. But I did not. And I thank God that I'm many, just like me, we are all still here today. If I will advise anybody today, I would really ask, I would really say that the best advice I can give, anybody can give you on me is the ability to take that, to take the decision, the most important decision in your life, which is committing, committing the ownership, the leadership, the directorship, the controllership of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we are talking about taking decisions, remember. Taking decisions. That is the best decision anyone can take. I would refrain from advising people, and I generally tend to, to advise you, if you come to meet me and say, oh, I want to buy a, a car. Can, I, can you advise me? I don't know. How can I advise you? I can tell you, go and buy a Honda. Five years, two years from now, the Honda is not looking nice. And then you bought it and you blame me. You know? Or, you, oh, very more importantly, somebody, those crucial decisions where you want to buy maybe a house. People tend to ask for, uh, for advice. Don't get me wrong. There's a place for that. But the best decisions that we can always take, the best, the most important decision that any one of us will take is the decision that says, God, come into, Jesus, come into my life, control, lead. And then subsequent to that, all the other ones begin to fall in place. I want us to look at one man today. It's a, I find the story very compelling to me. It's sad. At the same time, there are lessons there. And that's the story of that man called Elimelech. Elimelech's situation was a story of a man, a father actually. A father. Who, as we will see, took a couple of decisions. And um, it not only affected him, but it terminated a lineage because of the decisions he took. We read that scripture. I'll quickly read it again. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Mahalon, Mahalon and Chilion, they were Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they took, wives, took them wives of the women of Moab. And the name of one was Oprah. Oh, sorry. Not Oprah. Oprah. And, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Marlon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons by, uh, was left of her two sons and her husband. You see, in just five verses, spaced over 10 to 15 years, a man took a decision 15 years down the road, thereabouts, two generations disappeared. It's himself and his children. We don't really know much about these men. 
we don't know much about them. Actually, when I see stories in the Bible when people's name, names come up and you don't, there's not too much about them. Sometimes, I say that carefully, sometimes it tells you that they were just average people. They were average men. And you see, when average people leave, they make, they make just average regular mistakes. Their lives were not exceptional, but they make average mistakes. And therefore, they went through life, or they go through life, taking average decisions. They make decisions through an average, the process of taking decisions is just, is just an average one. And God is asking us to step further. Because not only, not only must we look down on uh, Elimelech if we were to do so, Many of us, potentially, could also be just living that kind of life. Look, Elimelech was a man who was just concerned for his family. Honestly, he was a man who was just concerned for his family, like many fathers there today. They were just, his interests is, let me just provide for my family. We'll talk about his mistakes later on. But I want us to know that by virtue of being a father, there, is, there tends to be huge responsibilities on you. There tend to be huge responsibilities on you. I was actually earlier on going to congratulate not just the older men, but the younger men as fathers. I forgot. Can I see the younger men? If you consider yourself a younger man, raise your hand. Thank you. My hands are up too. God bless you. <laughs> but I don't see the younger men raising up their hands. Because I meant to congratulate you as well. God bless you, my brother. You see, I see in you, and I, was, I see in you, or God sees in you, everything. Or God actually has put in you everything that makes you a father. Right now. Right now. So when you say happy Father's Day to your dad, that's okay. But if your father says happy Father's Day to you as well, he's not out of line. And so the Bible says that God calls those things that be not as though they were. So when I tell my son happy Father's Day, he might be shocked. But really, it's appropriate. I meant to say that earlier, but I forgot. There is a huge responsibility on fathers. Today in our society, I find out that there are many, many people who, like I used the word earlier on, who fake it. They fake it because that's the best they can do. But you know what? A father is somebody who provides. His job is to provide. He's to protect. He's to protect. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, do you know what that, you remember that scripture? What's, 1 Timothy 5, 8 talks about the, the man who, when, when the man is unable to provide his family, how does, how does the Bible describe him? Was an infidel. So, but you know what? Sometimes, well, men do try, all men try to provide. But we understand the fact that a father's role provide protection, boundaries within for the family. A father is supposed to be a visionaire. Somebody who, see where everybody is seeing right now, He's looking 10 years down the road. He's, not, he's concerned about now, in, but he's also concerned about 
10 years down the road. That is so critical. If you are, if you are, if you are a man or a, even a woman and your vision sometimes is limited to just the now, that's not enough. Because you will live past the now. But how about 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road? You should make plans now. You should make plans now, not, not just for the now, but for 10 years down the road. One of my favorite subjects, well, and I like to talk about it, I like to listen to it, expose myself to it, is just planning for tomorrow, one way or the other. Many men, many of us, and I probably should be speaking to the men more, fathers, God has a role for you, a duty, an expectation that you are thinking of the future, of not for yourself, but for your children. When you walk into a place, you are buying a car, you are buying a house. Are you looking at that car as it is now? Especially maybe you just have one child, or maybe even none for now, and you want to buy a car and you are not thinking of 10 years down the road. Are you not shortchanging yourself? You are saying, oh, maybe I'm newly married, I want to buy a house. And you are just thinking of one room, 900 square foot or, or, or less. You are not thinking of two years down the road, five years down the road when your hands become full. There's an expectation that you, are do, you do that. Let's be visionaries as men. Let's be fathers who are visionaries. There are many people today, there are many people today who are, I use the word scoundrels, not in a bad way, but it is a bad way. Because they are around, they, they, they go with the tag of being fathers. But when it comes to the responsibilities that go with it, they are very absent. They are very good. I heard of a wrestler, or if, was he a boxer, who had recently died in news, an American man who had children in, I don't know how many cities, like 15, 20 cities. He was a father all right. He was a father. But he didn't even know all his children. He, well, he, yeah, he just, he just fathered and moved on. I, 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 I stumbled across some statistics from the U.S. Department of Justice. And this is a bit racial, but I'm going to say it anyway. It says one in every three black men in the U.S., in the United States, will expect to go to the prison in their lifetime. This is statistics. That one in every, one in every three black American men will go to the prison in their lifetime. If you go to the, the U.S. Uh, penitentiary today or the jail, 60% of the, the inmates are of a darker skin color. Whereas, they only constitute 30% of the population. So think about it. 60 to 70% of the prison population are either Latino or black, mostly black. But if you look at the total picture of the 350 plus million, only 30% are blacks. I'm not, that's my point here is not about, about, Injustice? No, no, no. The point is that if you look at the average black American male, when I say average, that is not fair. I should not say average. But there is a cultural issue where men are not there to, to, be, to, do their, to play their roles. 
There are homes where it is the women who raise children. I, 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 I'm, I'm into sports, so I listen to a, big of the, a lot of these big sports guys, basketballers. That, and I see that this one is mom raised him from age two to this. This one is all about the moms. Where are the fathers? They all disappeared. They, they, they eloped, took off when it matters the most. And nowhere, no wonder this statistics bears true. I'm saying this today just to point to the fact that as fathers, there, is, there are responsibilities. As fathers, there are decisions that men make every day. You know, sometimes it's, not, it's heavily weighted against the men. You have to take those decisions. You have to take those decisions. I was thinking about my workplace, and I, and I realized that in every workplace, actually, because I walk past my, there's a, there's a leader, a, 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 president, a vice president that we have in my organization. And I walk past and I ask myself, what is this woman even doing? Like, we, we are the ones in the world. <laughs> but you see, really, all they do is just take decisions every day. See, they are paid to take decisions. So when you get to a point where you are, start, you are getting paid just to take decisions, you are not carrying stuff. You are not solving problems. Or, or rather, you are not... Uh, on the computer, sweating it away, typing stuff. You are just, they just tell you when all the decisions have been, when the people below you can no longer make decisions, they bring you to your desk and you take the hard decisions. That is when you are right, you have risen in your profession, right? That is when you have risen. And I find that men are in that same spot. Sometimes in my house, in fairness to my, my family, the, sometimes the hardest decisions come to me, right? It is like, okay, you come and tell, you, you fix it. Or you, you decide what happens. Is it just the way it... And I'm happy, I'm happy to take responsibility. I'm happy to take responsibility. And that is what fatherhood means. Be ready to take responsibility. Young men, young boys, be ready to take responsibility. Be ready to be the one who decides yea or nay. Now, let's talk about Elimelech. Time is going. Elimelech was confronted with... A point in his life when famine surrounded him in the land of Judah. Famine. Food was not comfortable. Things were not comfortable. And therefore, the man looked around. He loved his kids, his two sons. He looked around and he said, ah, this is time to move. He took a decision. Friends, you would also take decisions. Or rather, you are, you are taking decisions, like I said, every day. Will you take the kind of decision that Elimelech took? Or will you take a better one? That is a question that you should ponder upon. So in Israel, there was famine. Things were very bad. And things will occasionally be bad for us. If you keep hearing, if you go to a place or a church or you're reading books where they say it's going to be fantastic and rosy all the time, please run. Because that is not the truth. Things will be tough. And when things are tough, you will be required, you, there will be a requirement that you make a decision. What should I do? Do I hang in there? Or do I take a decision? So Elimelech was concerned about the well-being of his family. That's not, like I said, that's not a bad thing. So he took a decision. You see, interestingly, I, I remember the story of Jonah. You remember Jonah? In Jonah chapter 1, God, God had an, a message for him. And he also took a decision. He ran from his problems. God said, go to Nineveh, go and talk to my people. What did the guy do? He went in the other direction. 
He took a decision. Running away from problems rather than confronting them is never, never a good decision. There is a place for confronting your problems head front. There is a place for facing your Goliath face on. I saw this song where it says that a change in geography will never overcome a flaw in your character. A change in position, geography, will never overcome a flaw in your character. Which means that if you, if you are a person, man, woman, or man or woman, children don't get to make those decisions yet, and you are in Colombia, and people say you you are having problems with this, this, and this. Maybe your workplace, maybe it's a family thing, and you you feel, look, I'm going to leave Colombia, I'm going to Ghana. When I go to Ghana, it will all be good. I'm using those coins because the World Cup is going on. <laughs> and you go to Ghana, but you have not dealt with your problems. The problems will follow you to Ghana. You leave Ghana, you go to Portugal. It makes sense that those are the countries I'm trying to support. <laughs> you go to Portugal, your problems will follow you. Go to Nigeria too. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but your problems will follow you anywhere you go. You have to deal with the problems. They will not matter where you live. Elimelech moved. He saw famine. He saw a lack of provision. And he moved. He was an emigrant. He emigrated. Interestingly, the many immigrants or immigrants as well listening to me today. People who have left their home country and they've emigrated for reasons best known to each one. But that's, that's a, that sounds very familiar. So we identify, I identify with Elimelech so well. I really do. But he took the wrong decisions as we will see. We will ask him, Elimelech, what was God's plan for you at that time, if I were to see him today? Did you wait to find out? Did it bother you to consult the Holy Spirit, or, or did you seek for a word of wisdom to say, how do I confront this solution to this problem at this time? I don't think he did, but he took his decision. He moved to Moab. What is it about Moab? Does anybody know one or two things about Moab? Moab, there's a lot of history around Moab. In Numbers 25, God talked about Moab. We won't go there, but I'll tell you. There was a particular incident where there were sexual immorality. The women of Moab came and they seduced or induced, whichever way you want to call it, the men of Israel. And they pulled them away from the Almighty God and moved them into worshipping their own gods. Moab was a place that had many issues. Idolatry was big. But when, Mo, when Elimelech took his decisions, that, was not, that did not form part of his decision-making process. He just was going to move to Moab. Moab, not Moab. Moab. Sodom and Gomorrah, the same thing, very similar. When Lot was going to move, 
He also looked, the Bible says he looked across the place and he saw, wow, beautiful land. And he looked at where he was, things were not good, and he also moved. So, when we, when Elimelech make, made his decision, he forgot the circumstances that he ought to have taken care of. But that decision he took cost him his life. So let's face it, that man, like I said, he was trying to do his best. He looked at his children, he didn't want them to go hungry, like most men do. He looked at his wife said, oh, I need to maintain her skin color. Let's go to Moab. And he was not really concerned about the history of Moab. What God had told them about Moab. Are you in a boat or a situation now where there are decisions that you are about to make that you are not thinking, thinking, thinking deeply about? Are you thinking through all your decisions right now? That's what I will ask you. God has given us the opportunity to think of, to ask for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says that if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives to all men generally, I mean generously and without finding fault and it will be given to you. The thing about making decisions is that we must not take it lightly. You will walk out of these doors today and you will, be, you will have to make a decision about the next step. Where you are today, where you are sitting today is because of decisions that you took 5 years, 10 years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, for some, close to 50 years ago. Decisions that we took then. So, if you are concerned about your 50, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, think about decisions you are going to take when you walk out of these doors. I tell my children, and I said, decisions that you take now will influence what happens to you 10 years from now. I won't be there. I actually spoke to one this morning. Those decisions that are yours to make now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you will face those consequences. May God help us to take the right decisions. Amen. It is very critical. How do we go about making the right decisions? I'm, I'm actually closing because I, I wanted to wrap this up quickly. There are some steps that we can take when it comes to how we go about taking that decision. If Elimelech had known of this, or if he had the privilege, maybe things would have worked out differently for him. When you are confronted, number one, so I'm going to go through those steps quickly. I'm trying to finish this up in 10 minutes. When you are confronted with a, a, a task or an issue, let's look at a few steps that you can take to help you. Number one, why don't you just begin with a prayer? Why don't you just begin with a prayer and commit that situation to God? In 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.16, the Bible says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks to God in all circumstances, circumstances, for this is the will of God for you, of you in Christ, for you in Christ Jesus. So when there is a, an issue confronting you, prayer is a great way to start. I, 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 I look back and I told you, I, I, like I tell, tell you, I wish I had taken, I had even been 
cognizant of some of these steps many years ago. Because I look at some issues I'm going through now and I say, oh, they were not wise, they were not smart. Did I commit into prayer enough? Maybe not. So that's number one. Also, number two, when you have an issue coming up, it's always good to understand the issue, the problem. Understand it. Know all the facts. So Elimelech looked around him and he saw what seemed to him to be like famine. I don't think he knew all the facts. He didn't go beyond the necessary. He didn't, he didn't, so there was famine, or there was, there looked like there was famine. But what if the government of the day back then already had a plan, and I'm just making this up, agricultural plan that was saying that one year from now, there'll be a, a huge deluge of food production. It was not there at the moment. Rightly so. So things were very, very hard. But just six months down the road, things were going to change. Six months from now, many of us, the stuff that we're going through will be different because we'll be in a better position to be in a better, I'm sorry, we'll be, we'll, we'll be in a better, we'll be better opportuned to be better positioned to take advantage of the grace that God has in store for you, the blessings that God has in store for you. I believe so. So when things look hard at the moment, they don't always have to be hard. Elimelech didn't know all those facts. So when you have a decision to make, understand what the problem is. Know all the facts. Wise decisions are always informed decisions. So you need to know what your options are. You are traveling, and I'm just thinking, making this up. Traveling on the road, stranded. So what do you do next? You have to make a decision. Understand the facts. Try and seek out the facts. Would you have, oh, and this actually happened to me. I was actually long, a few, a few, just about two, three years ago. I drove, took on a journey of myself, wrong decision to live at that time of the night. And I was stranded, well, I wasn't stranded, but the, winter, the weather was really bad. And I was in the middle of pretty much nowhere, down south this way. And I had to park my car. Not, I mean, just, it was, the blizzard was horrible. And I had to take a decision. So what do I do? What do I do? I could have decided to turn on the heat, the heat in my car and just, just sleep and wait, just park side of the road, or wait for help. There was no cell phone coverage. But I had to take a decision. Well, thank God I, 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 I got out of that. It wasn't too much of a big decision. It just occurred to me, and I'm sharing that. Because actually, what I did was just to drive like two kilometers an hour until things got better. Because I wasn't going to stay static in one spot. But you need to understand the problem. And by the way, for me, just five miles down the road, there was a big city. But I didn't even know. So if you understand the facts, if you know the facts, you can then go... I didn't know that there was a city ahead of me. But just knowing that five kilometers down the road, there was a solution for me, was a good help when I tried to go two miles per hour. I mean, traveling very, very slowly. Because it took me a while, but I got, I got to a place where help would have been necessary. But the weather also, things improved and it was okay. If I knew that, of course, I would have, I would have just been relaxing. Knowing the facts is always help, helpful. Number three, let's seek be, be, uh, uh, godly wisdom. 
Let's seek godly wisdom. In the times of your most urgent need, terrible need, seek for godly wisdom. Seek, seek for biblical wisdom. In Psalm 119-105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. That is what the word of God is. To guide you, to be a torchlight. So that when it is really, really dark, you can find a headway and you can survive. You cannot do it on your own. This world is too tough. This world is too tough. I apologize to my children because I always bring them in. Because that's what my conversations are always about. This world is tough. It's not easy. You always you need help. You need that touch light, that grace, that that candle that helps you in the dark places of life. By the way, not everybody here knows what a candle is. But you need a touch light. So I use the one that is contemporary. Touch lights. So that when the things are dark, you can you can find your way through. Then this number number four. Trust God when you take that decision. Trust the Lord with the decision that you take. Oh, no, sorry. No, that's, number, that's number five. Number four, seek godly counsel. Proverbs 15.22 Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. There's a place for seeking godly counsel. There's a place for seeking godly counsel. Sometimes it may just be a friend, a family member who is led by the Spirit of God. Sometimes you need your past, a pastor. A trusted voice, somebody who knows that, yes, this man or this woman uh, can, can give me, uh, can advice to help me to a place where I need to get to. Then, tr- tr- number five, trust, in the, trust the Lord when you have taken those decisions. Trust the, the, Lord, trust the Lord and just move on. Trust God that, you, and that that decision that you took is the right one. And then move on. Trust. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own, on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. And then praise God, number six. Praise God for that success. Praise God for that solution. Praise him. Thank him. Because you have trusted him. You can just start praising him and let it, help, let it work his way through. See, Elimelech, Elimelech didn't go through that process. So he died, his sons died. There was a terrible disaster in that family. So Naomi and the two daughters, daughters-in-law, uh, Oprah and um, Ruth, of course, Ruth, long story was that they came back through all their ways and they came back and then they ended up again in that same country. And the surprising thing was that there was a man there called Boaz. And I was wondering, if things were so horrible when Elimelech left, how come Boaz became a successful, prosperous man? The same country where Elimelech took his family and sped off, ran away. Many years later on, his wife, after he had died, his family came back and people were doing exceptionally well. If only he had also waited. If only he had taken the right decision at that time. If only he had not looked at the, based on the knowledge he had then, taking those wrong steps. The the story of his life would have been very different. I say this because 
For many of us, we have the same opportunity right now to not make the wrong decision. Speaking to myself. We are confronted or we have the provision or we have the privilege right now to ask God, take those, go through those five, five steps. Ask God for the word of wisdom. The issue that confronts you, should I do this, should I do that? Should I buy this, should I not buy that? Should I go to this school or that? All those issues that we confront every day, or we face every day. By being sure, by being led of God, many, many years from now, we will look back and say, thank you, Jesus, that I took the right steps. As fathers, God has placed that responsibility upon us. Please, let us take it carefully, uh, seriously. God is, is depending on us for the sake of the people that he has committed into our hands. To not take it nonchalantly, or how do you say that? But to take it seriously, because lives depend on it. The decision that Elimelech took as a father cost his sons. Wow. Decisions that you may take as a man will infect or impact or affect your children. It's not their fault. They didn't ask daddy to do that or that. You took the decision. But because you took the decision, they will face the consequences, good or bad. I pray that it will be the good ones. But you will have to make the right decision. You will have to ask God for help. You will have to seek the face of God. You will have to pray before the decisions are taken. You will have to seek biblical, uh, biblical wisdom. You have to seek godly counsel. You have to trust the Lord when you are taking decisions. And you have, to, you have to thank him and say, Father, I have done this. Bless it for me. And move on. And then your family will not suffer. Sorry, your, 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 your children, far from, there, far from it, their path will not be like the path of Chilion and Marlon. Because they will be survivors. As fathers, our decisions will lead us to the place of survival. Not just survival, our decisions will lead us to the place of domination. Amen. Domination, success, Amen. because we will take the right decisions. Amen. That is my message for you this morning. There are fathers there that I will implore to stand up as we pray. Thank you.